Hello, and welcome back to the Double Take Podcast with Jess and Jenny, where we talk about all things TV. We're back with another Veronica Mars episode. This is our rewatch slash watching for the first time series of Veronica Mars. And this is episode three, Meet John Smith. Jess, any Any first thoughts? First thoughts. Well, like I said in the last pod, I liked this episode more than episode two, which is good because I was about to throw in the towel. Almost. I mean, I'm committed to doing this together, but like, if it gets too bad, like, we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) I liked this episode more just as a general first thought, because it was more focused on what was more focused on Duncan. Not that it was specifically focused on Duncan, but just that I felt like I was learning more about a character. And I think what I've been sort of, I sort of said this in the last episode, but I felt like everyone was unlikable. And I think part of that was like, I'm not, I didn't feel like I was really getting to know people deeply. I think this episode did more to make me know Duncan better, which I found interesting. All right, I'll take that. I'm going to start us off with a little bit of a plot summary, sort of. I have big um, bullet points, so if I miss anything, let me know. But I think in this episode, essentially, Veronica and Wallace are trying to help a classmate find his father. That's one storyline. And the separate storyline, Duncan is struggling with Lily's death and also with his antidepressants and his family life a little bit. Veronica's romantic life gets a little bit more complicated with Troy in this episode as well. And also Keith is called in to meet with the guidance counselor about Veronica's general lack of friends and surly demeanor since the death of Lily. Those are sort of the high points. And by high points, I just mean like of the topographical map that is this episode, not like the high points of yes, the things yes. that I loved about this episode. Thank you. Thank you for Anytime. dropping the word topographical in there. <laughs> Anytime. So as I said, this one's called Meet John Smith, which we talked last, last week about the episode names. This one's, I feel like, very self-explanatory. Okay. So the episode names are based on the like case of the week. It seems yes. like, at least by going off of just episodes two and three, which are not a lot of data points, but I'm no. going to use them anyway. And you said in our pilot episode pod, I think that the show doesn't stay procedural or does it, is it always all the way through procedural? I would say it is procedural with the exception of there are a few, like as we get into the middle, there are a few cases that maybe take like two episodes to solve, or as we get toward the end of the first season, the case that is overarching the entire series, which is Lily Kane's death, becomes a much more specific plot point. But in general, it stays like there is a there is something that uh, Veronica is trying to solve for a classmate or help her um, father solve in pretty much every episode. Okay. I did not care for this week's mystery. Yeah, I had forgotten about this one. And then immediately when we got to interesting, the, I mean, it's a very early on, very early on episode, but, um, it's definitely 2004. It's definitely 2004. The opening scene where the young boys like truly seem like they're 12 or 13. Why do they look so young? So young. That boy is a Disney channel boy, right? Oh, I don't know. He didn't look familiar to me. Oh, he like kind of looked familiar to me, but not enough for me to try to place him. But now that you say it, I'm like, yeah, he did look familiar. But I thought he just looked like every like nerdy 12-year-old boy that was cast at this time, in this time frame. Yeah. I, I just don't get why they looked like actual high schoolers. Because like while we're saying they look 12, like to be fair, they probably are actually like 15 or 16, those actors. 
So why do they yeah. look like actual high schoolers and everyone else looks like they're college aged? Like what's the actual age difference supposed to be in the show? I think we're supposed to figure, I think we can figure that out by one of them says like you lost your dad six years ago or seven years ago. And then when she's reading the report from his record, it says like his first grade record. Like yeah. I think we could figure out how old he's supposed to be in the show, but I didn't actually figure it out. But there's also a, a mistake in there because yeah, he does say he lost his dad six years ago and then also in first, first grade. But then at some other point he says his dad died when he was 11, which is not the age you are in first grade. So there was like a couple of mistakes oh. in there. Okay. So we can't yeah. figure it out. No, but I think we could figure, I think he's supposed to be in eighth grade. I think they okay. do. Yeah. So that would, I guess, make sense then. Like they could look a lot younger than Veronica and her friends because yeah. they're supposed to be what, like sophomores or juniors, which mm -hmm. again, they definitely are too old to be sophomores and juniors, but I mean, Logan, yes, absolutely. Like high schoolers <laughs> didn't look like high schoolers, especially in 2004 TV shows. No. It's I just weird that these kids really looked so young and so nerdy. I mean, that's yeah. cliche, but. Yeah. And I also did not like the fact, what I was going to say a second ago was that they were rating girls. Like I get that it was 2004 and that it wasn't, you know, as big of a faux pas, but like the opening. I thought there was going to the, be like a punchline. No, I thought that like, it was so weird. It was just, they thought Veronica was hot. And so he wanted an excuse to talk to her and was like, let me pretend my dad is missing when he's actually dead and have her try to solve this case for a while. And maybe I'll weasel my way into her affections. Yeah. Meantime, so that's like this setup. But also why right. then did he have to be like a 12 year old little nerd? Why couldn't he have just been like a her age nerd? It was very confusing to me, the whole thing, I guess, because we're supposed to be like, oh, like the like little nerdy kid. Uh, I guess <laughs> you are very, you have very strong opinions about like the social groups that these people fit into. I don't know that he's necessarily supposed to be like a huge nerd. I think he is. <laughs> it's a 2004 high school TV show. I think I'm allowed to think that there is a very clear social structure. It's not like he was like, this is the same era where we got a whole song in a movie musical about different cliques, actually a whole musical about different cliques and breaking out of different cliques. Was Stick to the status quo, Jenny. No, we were in sixth grade when that came okay. out. Yeah, I I just mean like, yes, he and his friends seemed like maybe nerdier, but it's not like they had like glasses with tape taped to them or that they were like talking about going to well, AV that been club. Two on the nose. I still, okay, fine. I, I read that as very like, the, these are nerdy boys, but maybe I'm wrong. I think it was just also that they looked so young. I thought that was like yeah. the vibe we were supposed to get is like, these are the nerdy like ninth graders. And she's like the cooler, like 11th grader. I actually don't know how old she's supposed to be. I think, yeah, 10th or 11th. I'm not exactly sure. Um, anyway, we can move on at least from that. Um, but yeah, I just said interesting, gross. We've talked about that. Uh it's, oh, they also mentioned it's been eight months. I think I mentioned this in the last episode, eight months since, um, she's seen her mother. Veronica has seen her mother, which we had been talking about in the pilot episode, trying to figure out how long it's been. Um, yeah. And even if it had just been a year, I mean, eight months is still, it's too long for this to make sense to me. And you said something in that first podcast episode we did where it sounded like there was more to it than I thought, mm. which doesn't really give anything away, but I guess sort of does because I thought she just was like, she like left Dead the family. Mom. Yeah. And then in this episode, Veronica says her mom's missing. Like she says that to someone. 
instead of saying my mom left. And then at the end of the episode, we see her go look for her. So I think that's a vanity thing, not like missing, missing, but she just doesn't want to say out loud that her mom skipped town. Yeah. That makes more sense. I just, I feel like the whole thing is weird, but then they do end it with like, she's skeptical that her mom cares about her when her friend is like, she cares about you more than anything in the world. And Veronica's like, does she, she has like a funny way of showing it. So I was like, okay, so yeah, maybe she is coming to terms with like her mom left her and just isn't coming back in which Mm -hmm. case rude, like really mean. That's not nice. (laughs) Yeah. And then we also get that scene in this episode of, of Veronica saying, or her dad coming to her and saying like, Hey, I don't want you to think of your mom as the villain and all this. And she's like, but she is like the hero is the one that stays. I mean, she is. I'm team Veronica. Her mom sucks. You can't just leave and then not contact your child, especially if you're just mad at her dad. Like, take it on her dad, but don't take it out on Veronica. I and just leave a measly little music box. It makes zero. You mentioned the music box in the first episode too, which makes me feel like it's something. It's the only thing she left with the with the note saying, "I'll be back for you." It feels like a clue now, but anyway. I'm Maybe it's not back for you, baby. Made me feel like it was. I just think, yeah, there's obviously more to that because if there weren't, it would just be like really bizarre. Like there were phones in 2004. She would have called. Like you don't leave your adult. It's one thing if your kid's like three and you're like, I'm going to disappear and be like, yeah, like a deadbeat and like never return because like I didn't want this kid in the first place. But like you have a grown child and you're just going to disappear and never speak to them again. Yeah, she sucks. All right, maybe she just sucks. <laughs> in in another Veronica and her dad conversation, I wrote on a couple of their their one-liners. You can tell that they had fun with the like making Veronica and her dad seem pithy and I absolutely hate their relationship. It makes me so uncomfortable. You, the what things she it? says to her mother, to, to her father, she no high schooler has this relationship with their father. I I do not believe. I'm she the one where she says what he says how was your date and she says lousy conversation but the sex was fantastic and he's like that's not funny and she was like i think it was please no chance that's a real (laughs) joke that a high school age girl makes to her dad not in no world in no relationship i don't care how close you are no absolutely not yeah all i'll say is in this universe she is the only person who's stuck by her dad and her dad is the one that stayed as we mentioned so like i have no idea what that does to a relationship between father and daughter but yeah i agree i would not i certainly i don't know i guess I, I, I everything is through my own lens but like i i don't know anybody that that would have been a funny joke yeah i mostly liked she was like i'm old school an eye for an eye and her dad said that's more like that was funny sure i was like that's cute and then also when she tries to bring up her mom and it goes badly and she tries to get out of it by saying how about those padres yeah that felt more realistic to me yeah i do there's certain writing choices that scream like middle-aged men were writing this oh a hundred percent and not a high schooler especially not a high school girl and this is picky but one of them I wrote down because immediately for some reason this one really stuck out to me and it was when Veronica says the worst part about going to high school with your ex is you see them everywhere or she says like you see them all the time or whatever like I'm sorry if you're in high school all of your exes also go to your high school where, mm-hmm. where are you otherwise meeting your boyfriends and girlfriends like maybe camp but that's it so for her to be like the worst part about going to high school with your ex, what's the alternative? 
<laughs> there is no alternative. That one, like that's so nitpicky, but that one immediately stuck out to me. It'd be one thing if it was like the worst thing about having all the same classes. Sure. But it's when he bumps into her in the hallway or something like that, as yeah. if like, that's such an unusual occurrence. Like, oh, if only my ex didn't go here. Oh, all of the, like any of the writing that has to do with her being in high school and also describing like a lot of the voiceovers, which is what you're talking about. But the ones like they, in the, um, in the previously on section where they give you a little bit of background of what happened in the episode before, they also start to introduce some of the characters and you hear voiceovers from previous episodes. And one of them was like billionaire, Jake Kane's daughter, like son, or I was dating, <laughs> whatever. I don't remember exactly what it is, but just the way that she talks about these people supposedly in her head is just not believable at all. I so. guess I could, I could see that more as like a, yeah, they want to give us the backstory or the context, but, mm -hmm. and like I said, just very nitpicky, but that one did stick out to me. Yeah. I hear that hundred percent. Also, I wrote down Duncan drinking milk straight out of the garden. <laughs> so Psychotic behavior. Like I think serial killers probably do that. That's a very, that seems like a very teenage boy thing. To it do. also is a very teenage boy thing yeah. to do. Yeah. That's fair. It, it was sort of like they were trying to telegraph, like, this is teenage boy. He mm -hmm. is growing. He Look is at him. strong. He needs milk. <laughs> Calcium, also, this was like peak got milk era. Mm -hmm. So the milk lobby. Surprised he didn't come out with a doing little, little a bit lot. of a mustache. Yeah. Exactly. Along the same lines of Duncan, I feel like, like I said, I liked this episode more because we got more sort of insight into Duncan and his mindset. There was this whole thing about like, uh, depression, antidepressants, which also like, oh, good for 2004, I think for talking like about, yeah. talking about antidepressants. I don't think that was like normal in 2004, but the way people around him seemed to sort of be like, like not that his friends knew he was on antidepressants. Cause I don't think they did, but sort of like treating him like it would be weird if he were depressed. Like they all, they all act so normally with him and everybody and his parents are sort of like, you know, trying to prompt him into doing more or whatever like mm -hmm. i'm sorry his sister was like brutally murdered six months ago or eight months ago the fact that anyone thinks this man is supposed to be doing anything normal at all is wild mm -hmm. i mean same with logan was, was lily's boyfriend veronica was her best friend the fact that they're all supposed to just like function normally i totally forgot that logan was lily's boyfriend yeah that man would also be a mess why is he going around like picking on people and shit well, well i, I think that could be like of, how he's dealing yeah with that. i think that's partially part it of that, just seems but... weird also that like there weren't any signs of him being depressed like i feel like in the first two episodes like duncan seemed fine and well, he whatever that was, was just on antidepressants in that Right. So then this episode so. was supposed to be like, he's like losing it. He's losing his like mind and seeing people and whatever, because he's off his antidepressants. So yeah, well, that's fair. So I had, a, I had a note about this. I, it seemed more like, like, yes, he had the hallucinations. They, there was a scene in the um, hospital where the doctor said what the potential side effects would be for going off these meds. Um, but the way that he seemed like euphoric the first time he just accidentally didn't take them, it almost seemed like like he runs to the bathroom and pukes in the middle of talking to Logan at school the morning that he didn't take his antidepressants for the first time and then comes yeah. out and Logan's like, are you okay? And he has this like better than okay. As though the antidepressants were sort of like numbing his emotions. Um, and now that they're gone, he has this like sense of euphoria, which I feel like isn't generally how I would expect that to go. I would like, it's almost seemed like he was going off of lithium or something bipolar related like the way that he reacted to not being on his meds 
And I, I, the same way that you were like, how could they expect him to not be depressed? I kind of thought that if you went off your antidepressants and something really terrible had happened, you would then at some point become more depressed. But it seems like in his case, that's not, that's not what's happening. I'm not sure we could take this episode as a pharmaceutical of, yeah as <laughs> how being on or off antidepressants is supposed to go although yeah that's kind of what I, I do think at. it's realistic that like everybody reacts differently and I guess we yeah. could think like he was on a one like one that like wasn't working for him or yeah it's it's hard to know it didn't feel super accurate yeah I just I was wondering if there was any truth to that at least yeah or or if they were just like this seems like a plot point we can use um, I didn't really look into it before. We I didn't look it this. up either, but the hallucinations, I feel like if going off your antidepressants cause hallucinations, like we'd have heard about it at this point in our lives. Like, yeah, or very that's, vivid that seems drastic. Yes. I've never heard that one before. Going off meds causing vivid dreams doesn't sound like too much of a stretch, but yeah, like no, full that, that sounded real. Yeah. The fact that he was hallucinating Lily, like talking to him, I was like, mm, that doesn't, doesn't really feel like something that happens. True. Technically, I think that was supposed to be a dream, but still like oh. he like wakes up. She says, she says like, clearly my, my death wasn't, I don't know. There's something more to it. Like wake up Duncan. And then he jolts. Oh, awake. I did not catch that. So that, that makes more sense. Yeah. Random, but their dad, Jake Kane, obviously mm. isn't this guy, but he, for some reason, reminds me so much of Jonah from Veep. Jonah Ryan. Mm. Like just in the way hair. that he like talks and there's yeah there's something about his look, but like specifically the way he talks. And it, there was one scene in this episode where I was like, Jonah, obviously not him, but yeah. Um, what else do we learn about Duncan in this episode? Oh yeah. Essentially, like you said, Lily comes to him in this dream and tries to get him to think more critically about her murder. I guess we'll say it sort of like nothing is as it seems. Um, but Veronica doesn't really look into the rest, into Lily's murder at all this episode. She's pretty preoccupied by this. Um, Decom kid. Decom kid. What was his name? Justin. Yeah. Preoccupied oh, it's so by- much Troy, but you're talking about the other Decom kid. Oh, that too. Wow. There's so many. She goes on a date with Troy. So much happening. It goes well, apparently, but like not that well. She's freaked out. I feel like that was icky. I feel like the, just every, just Him everything or, about their interaction was icky. I don't know. Um, I can't explain it. Like, it, like cringy. Like it just felt like not the way it would happen. I don't know exactly. Not like he was about, being creepy. Just like I was getting the ick from their like flirting. <laughs> you just like don't think they. <laughs> I there's like no real chemistry there. And we're supposed to believe he's like super into her. I don't know. He definitely said some stuff that was like cringy. I didn't write it down though. High school. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. But at the same time, I don't think I was very coherent in why I did or did not like someone in high school. I was just sort of like this person's <laughs> like, I don't know. I just like, I really don't buy that he would like her if she's the prior and his friends are the cool kids. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't think that happens in high school. Skipping a little bit back to Justin. Is that it? Was that his name? Justin. Yeah, the kid. I've never gotten an ick more from a scene than when he gave her a mixtape that he burned. Oh, yeah, that was rough. But that was supposed to be. Yeah. Actually. So, oh, like, boy. it did its job because I was scared. It did its job. Maybe we can return to that plot just for a second, see that wrapped up because it's pretty quick. 
Did you see the reveal coming that the person no. who came to visit Justin? Did you? In the, I mean, I've seen it before. I don't yeah, remember but like, if I saw it remember? coming the first time. <laughs> no, I absolutely did not. And even after he said dad to her, I didn't put, I didn't remember her face. Mm. I need to start watching more closely, I guess. But <laughs> it wasn't until he was like, oh, like you've been coming into the movie store. I was like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. I didn't feel like that was that big of a, like a twist. Obviously the twist was that he was alive. He was, was yeah. Alive. Well, yeah. He was alive. She was alive, but um, like the way they did that was so weird where he was what like, help me find my dad. And he thinks his dad is dead. Mm-hmm. And then for it to actually like him to actually not be dead. I don't know. It was a little too neat, like a little too convenient that like her trap or like her idea, her scheme. Oh, I mean, the yeah. Letters, the letters like works out. And then while like, she's at his table. At yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that especially. And yeah. yeah. And it comes and they're able to trace it, even though his fucking name is John Smith. She's like, there's only 404 as if there would be so many John Smiths through only three in San Diego. Suck my dick. No, there's not. Like <laughs> I was, I was displeased with this case of the week. And then for think, it to be, oh, oh, oh. I don't think she said there are only three John Smiths in San Diego. I think she did some cross. She said like that it with, could like, be because they okay. had lived in. And that only took Neptune. her a week. Took her a week to narrow yeah, down to three John Smiths with no date of birth, no social security number, no last address, no picture, just she, the name John Mars. Smith. She's a smart one. She's <laughs> a genius. She's better than the FBI. She's yep. like, uh, that took Teen a lot of detective. suspension of disbelief that I was struggling with. And then for the twist beyond his dad's alive to be, she's a woman now. I wouldn't say they handled it excellently. They he kept calling her dad like oh, throughout the rest of the episode. But sure. Like, it's but 2004. I, no, but I also don't maybe I'm wrong in this, but I also don't think that's like I think it's sort of choice of person who transitions. I I yeah, cuz it's like his like in terms of still the his figure father. that they are, right? But I don't think yeah. that necessarily that's a fair point. That he's also you that Justin's using like he him pronouns with his dad. And um, I think it makes sense that he would be upset. But I think it would be it makes more sense that he would be upset that he didn't know that his dad was still alive. Right. And I I think it all like could have been fine. Like honestly, good for 2004. It's not like this was it's not like trans people were as in media as they are now in 2004 and like good for them for having some representation and glad we have a lot more now but for the time like okay but the circus freak comment i do feel like wouldn't wouldn't fly in 2023 definitely not i'm just also it not, not being actually a trans actor oh yeah i wasn't sure about that i was gonna look it up but um i didn't so i'm glad that you did uh what i was going to say is he's coming from a home where his mother thought that being trans was such a bad like wanted him cut out of her life so I feel like yeah. as, his, as his mother's son it's not completely it's not out of character that he would react that way at first no um, I get that that's and what, Veronica that's like I, quickly I brings some perspective to it saying the like 90 miles that's how far your dad drives to and from like every yeah week. and that's sweet yeah I don't know I think my like knee-jerk reaction was like oh no there's no way they pull this off right it, mm. like this was made in 2004 and then actually watching it unfold like and thinking through it all I came to those conclusions as well yeah 
And then that sort of leads into or ties into Veronica thinking about her own relationship with her mother, going to Arizona to try to find her and confront her about being like, hey, this this kid's dad was, you know, excommunicated from his life and still made time to to see him. Like, what's up with you? Uh, but she doesn't find her mother. She finds her mother's college friend, like you mentioned earlier, and doesn't really get very many answers. Just says that she's been gone for two weeks. I think I think that's it. I don't think I'm missing anything. Yeah, I think we will we will learn more soon though, and I'm excited to find out where she is because it's bothering me this this plot line. It's bothering you, like you. It's bothering me that the mom would just leave. Mm. I can't. If that's the whole answer, I'm going to be mad. Because who does that? I won't say anything. My last okay. note was only that Logan says triple klutz when Duncan runs over the side of the thing and like drops off the bleachers onto the mat and scrapes his head, which oh, I thought was funny. He should have died or at least been seriously injured the way he's just sitting there in the car talking. He uh, hit his head so hard there was blood. Oh, I thought that was more of a scrape, but you could be right. It was like he like skidded off. He hit the pads, but skidded off and hit uh, his head. Yeah. It wasn't like a thwack. No, like I knew he wasn't like a literally supposed to be dead, but it just felt wrong that he'd be like, he'd at least be like concussed. Eventually. I, yeah, I thought. I wasn't paying that much attention to the particulars of his fall, um, but I did like the triple klutz comment. So let me see if I have any fun facts for this episode. Oh, actually I do. When they go to the hospital for his potentially life-threatening head injury, as you see it, um, the person in the x-ray has an earring, which Duncan clearly does not have, like a little hoop earring in the x-ray. Oh, good catch. Somebody said the phrase clue in donut. I think Veronica said that. And I wrote that down. (laughs) To use for later. For obvious reasons. (laughs) Just pocket that one. I forgot to ask you for episode two, and I know you did not like it very much, but how do you have like a, you know, one to 10 rating of this episode and potentially last episode? You're going to make me rate these when you hate rating things. Yeah, I Listen, if you say you also hate it, I won't make you What did it. I do this for? Don't, but maybe did I do this for episode one? Did we? You did. did you yeah. made me, okay. What did I say? Well, you keep saying make you. I just asked a question. You can refuse. <laughs> I'm not going to refuse. I think I said, did I say six for episode one? Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Rating stuff so hard, but the best way to do it is just to base it off of things you've already rated. So if episode one was a six out of 10, episode two would be a four, maybe a three okay. out of 10. And episode three would be, I'll go six out of 10 again. Okay. Getting back up there. Sure. To the, to the upper to this- middle. <laughs> To the uh, D grade. Yep. There's delightful. All right. Well, we'll, yeah, reconvene for episode four. Hopefully it starts to turn around. But, you know, we've got about 20 more episodes. (laughs) You're going to love it. I'm excited, though. So see you then. Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take Podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen.